sports fans, you're listening to Beyond Debatable, the podcast that covers all things sports. I am your host, Michael Rachel, and he is Jack the Stat Man Cudahy. Jack, how are you doing? Um, I'm okay. I'm watching the Rockets absolutely obliterate the Jazz right now. Holy shit. That's it is an obliteration. Yeah, uh-huh, a little bit. All right, so today, Jack, let's get into a little bit about the Russell Westbrook and the disappointing end of the season that they had, and then we'll talk about Kawhi Leonard and the situation going on with San Antonio along with possible trade theories of where he might be going if he does want out of San Antonio this offseason. And then we'll get into the head coaching carousel that's going on in the NBA and seeing which NBA coaches uh, are the best candidates for each team. So, Jack, before we start real quick, follow us on Twitter at Beyond Debatable to engage with us. We've been active on there with the NBA playoffs. We'll get back to that next week. All right, Jack, so Russell Westbrook. He, he got a super team this year with Carmelo and Paul George. They were the four seed, and they got outed in the first round of the playoffs by the Jazz in six games, Jack. Talk a little about Russell Westbrook and his disappointing end of the year. Um, this, okay, I, I have so many thoughts on this, and not a lot of them are good, to be honest. Russell Westbrook, I first of all, I have to say, incredible player, okay? I'm not his biggest fan, however... I don't think that there are two guys other than him in the league that can do what he's done the past two years in the regular season, averaging a triple-double. I mean, Who's the other guy? LeBron? I, who can do it. LeBron could do it if he wanted to, in my opinion, but he doesn't try as hard as he could to do so. But, like, the energy and passion Westbrook brings to the game just every single night, day-to-day during the regular season is unmatched in this league, just in terms of the effort he puts out on the floor. He is an amazing spread pick-and-roll player who can get to the rim whenever he wants. He's the best pound-for-pound athlete in the league. He's basically unstoppable when he gets going, and he can be the best point guard in the league at any time. Which is why it's so frustrating for me to watch this guy play the way he plays. Because, and I'll get into this a little later, this is just a summary of where, what I'm going to end up saying about him, but like... I just don't think he's that smart of a player, and I don't think he's learned from his mistakes. And that's where, I'll get into more specifics, but that's where I feel like he really falters as a player. And as long as OKC, as long as he honestly doesn't evolve into a more team-friendly player, OKC isn't going anywhere. What do you think? I agree with that, Jack. Um, You said it. You said... LeBron could be Westbrook if he wanted to. But he doesn't want to, Jack, because he knows that does not lead to championships. He knows stat stuffing, averaging a triple-double for two consecutive years, does not lead to a championship. The Oklahoma City Thunder, you can't even argue this, have a better surrounding cast than the Cleveland Cavaliers do. Do you agree with that, Jack? Oh, absolutely. And still... And still Westbrook thinks he needs to average a triple-double. Well, where did it get them? It got them to an elimination against the Utah Jazz in six games. Uh, Being a stat stuffer does not help. All right, Jack, here's my beef with Russell Westbrook. You Uh just touched on that. Okay. So, just like we said, he's been averaging triple-double two years in a row now, right? Mm -hmm. So, last year, triple-double, for those of you who don't know, points, rebounds, assists. So, that's exactly what I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at points, rebounds, and assists. Last year, his teammate, Enos Cantor, all right? He ranked 43rd in rebounds with 6.7 rebounds per game. This year... He was on the New York Knicks. He ranked sixth in rebounds with 11 per game. Assists. Carmelo Anthony was 70th in assists per game last year with the New York Knicks. This year, he was 170th. Points. Paul George and Carmelo Anthony both decreased in points per game this year. Last year, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony were averaging 23.7 and 22.4 points per game, respectively. This year... They're 21.9 and 16.2. That's a two points per game decrease for PG-13 and a six points per game decrease for Carmelo. And now, Jack, I want to get to the point of Victor Oladipo, who was Russell Westbrook's teammate last year. The year before, he was a teammate with uh, Russ. He was in Orlando. Then he went to OKC, and this year, as we all know, he was with the Indiana Pacers. So let's look at those three seasons there. In Orlando and in Indiana, he had a higher points per game, he had a higher assists and higher rebounds than he did the one year with Westbrook in OKC. 
Yeah, no. Um, I completely agree with you about especially the ex-players. It's very clear that there is a line between when players show up to OKC and when they leave, their stats improve when they leave. And part of that has to be put to player improvement. I don't want to say it's all Westbrook making these players worse, but there's real statistical evidence that Westbrook's play style is really, really hurting his team and a lot of these individual players. His usage rate, the past two playoffs, when Kevin Durant has not been there, last year, 47% usage rate. For comparison, no one in the regular season has ever averaged above 40 until last year, who, guess who, Russell Westbrook, eclipsed that with 42%. And as you Jack, said, I, I want to stop you right there real quick. Yeah, go you ahead. Said, you said, you're saying that it some of it can be attributed to player development. I think you're referring to Victor Oladipo there. But then how can you explain that in the three years that Victor Oladipo was in Orlando, his stats were increasing and getting better each year, but then the year he went to OKC, it dipped in rebounds, assists, and points No, if it's I, player development. I, pers- I think the Magic situation is a little different since it was a rebuilding team where he was given the reins to kind of shoot. I'm pretty sure his efficiency stats back then were p- worse than they were this year. But you're right, though, about the general theme. He was improving as any young player does when he was on the Magic, and then he went to the Thunder, and his growth really took a giant fall. I mean, he was basically asked. This happens with every Westbrook teammate now. They're asked to stand behind the three-point line or stand under the rim if you're a center while he dribbles the ball for about 18 seconds of the shot clock, and then he'll throw you the ball with five seconds left and say, okay, go do something. That's that's not an offense. How is an average NBA player supposed to play well at all in that system? Honestly, I respect Steven Adams. Okay, that dude does all the grunt work for that team and doesn't complain at all about it and has to deal with just... He doesn't get the ball. And he's a good player. He's a solid player and he doesn't get the ball. Sa- same goes for a guy like, I don't know, Jeremy Grant, who's been there for a few years now. I mean, these guys don't get a lot of credit, and they're often shamed in some sense for not being that good. But sometimes it's about the system you're in, and the system that OKC has is not a system. It's Westbrook shooting the ball. His usage Mm -hmm. rate, again, I I said it, 47% last year. This year Mm -hmm. was 39%. Paul George is on his team. Last year, he averaged 28 points in the playoffs against LeBron fucking James. That is an all-star every single year on your team. Like, Arguably two. It's not a coincidence that this is the year that Paul George suddenly goes up and down and he and no one knows what what he's gonna give you any night. Like he doesn't know what he's he's a good he's an amazing second option in theory next to Westbrook too as an off ball shooter who can move off the ball and doesn't need it all the time. But Westbrook is so he's such an alpha. It, I just feel mm-hmm. like if Westbrook played a one person sport, he'd be amazing. Like, if he had trained his entire life to be, like, a boxer or something, <laughs> he, he would be one of the best in the world. I honestly believe that. He's just—his mentality in team sports is just so diluted, in my opinion. A good example is um against Ricky Rubio in Game uh, 4, was it? Yeah. The game after Ricky Rubio went crazy, and yeah. he went on that—we might put a clip of this in, but— um. He went he went in a press conference after game three and said, Oh, um that shit ain't happening. I'm not gonna let Ricky Rubio go off again. If you watch what happened the next game, Ricky Rubio's stats dipped. But Russell Westbrook was treating him like Steph Curry. Like th- there would be driving lanes opening up for like Joe Ingalls, Donovan Mitchell, Jay Crowder, and he'd be sticking to Ricky Rubio like he was Steph Curry at the line. Ricky Rubio yep. does not deserve that attention. That's just helping the Jazz open up more space on offense and allows all the other players to score more points. I'm pretty sure every other supporting player in the Jazz lineup had a better game in Game 4 than they did in Game 3, and a lot of it was because of that. It's just the thinking. It's the IQ. Yeah. He's selfish, offensively Mm -hmm. and defensively, just like you said with the Rubio. He took it personal. You can't do that. And, Jack, you were mentioning about their offense and how they play and how they're always in the late shot clock game. Well, Russell Westbrook led the league in field goals attempted this year. Um, pretty sure he did last year, too, but I'm not sure about that. But in the last four seconds on the shot clock, he ranks below Paul George and Carmelo in shots taken. So he is setting up his teammates for failure by them having to take those deep shot clock shots that are often really bad shots. No, you're absolutely right. It, 
another perfect example of this. When his team is when his back's against the wall, right? When his team's back's against the wall, like it was in game five or six. In game five it worked. In game six it didn't. Westbrook feels the need to take the game on himself and just go one v five. Quite yeah. literally. Oh yeah, I know. He, he, he took forty three f- shots and he's got an all star in Paul George. A used-to-be yeah. all-star in Carmelo Anthony, who just had no role on this team, probably due to Russell Westbrook. And he's got a potentially all-star big in Steven Adams. And there he goes taking 43 shots on a team that's got a good supporting cast. It just doesn't make any sense. And it's not like he's a good shooter. He, t- he shot 28% from three-ball this season. He's not a good shooter, but he keeps shooting. He with shot a guy 19 with pa- threes in 19 that threes. game. He shot 28.3% this year, and he took 19 threes in a Game 6 elimination game with a with – a, all-star in Paul George and a good shooter in Carmelo and they just didn't use him because it's just it's the Westbrook show I'm pretty sure the best thing that can happen in the first quarter of any game against the Thunder for like a Jazz fan last series was Westbrook making a three because they knew the rest of the game he was going to start shooting threes because he thought oh I made one here we go honestly I'm Steph now oh I'm going to shoot you out of the building well, I think he was. Wasn't he 4-7 to start from three? Something In one game, like he was 4-7. And I think he went on to miss his next six. So, that yeah, that's a good point. He might get the confidence and then thinks he is a shooter when he's not. And then the averages catch up to him. All right, and Jack. I, so, yeah. mm-hmm. well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just – I was going to transition this to the entire Thunder team as a whole because I think his attitude towards everything, whether it be his play on offense, his defense, it pervades – throughout the team it's not just how he plays it sucks the life out of his teammates as well i remember i was writing down during the um during game four i believe paul george was getting punked by joe ingles and th- this is this is a dude that and i know paul george has gotten a lot of flack lately for a lot of the stuff because quite he's not had a great year in terms of press but this is a guy who was the number one player on an Eastern Conference Finals team that was playing toe-to-toe with the Heat in, like, 2012, 2013, back when he was, like, a second- or third-year player, okay? He's been good for a long time. And Joe Ingles was getting in his head. Paul George had no rhythm. He was getting—he he wasn't trying on defense. And, yeah, that that is on Paul George, ultimately. He needs to show up for that series. But if I were him, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't. It's Oklahoma City. I've never really Small wanted to market. play here. Yeah, I've. Everyone knows I've wanted to play in LA. So what? Yep. I'm here to win, and, and all I'm win. doing, and yeah, and all I'm doing is watch, watching my um co-star shoot a bunch of threes early in the shot clock when he can't even. D- and the, it's so infuriating because Westbrook can be so much better than this. If he traded, like, 10 of his shots to more productive offense, the Thunder would win at least 10 more games a year. I guarantee it. He's that good. But he doesn't do it. It's just a clear IQ thing that just hurts the entire team. It was that case. It was the case last year. It's the case this year. They didn't improve at all, which makes no sense, considering that they added Paul George for, um... I don't even remember who was on Oladipo. the team last year. Well, not not even Oladipo. Well, yeah, they traded for Oladipo. Yeah, he was part of the deal. I mean, <sighs> there are so no, many. No, I understand. And and a bunch of people are blaming blaming this on Billy Donovan. And I'll get into later in the podcast when we talk about head coaches why this isn't Billy Donovan's fault at all. But, uh, yeah, he literally turned Paul George into a jump shooter who was at one point an MVP candidate and led the Pacers to an Eastern Conference final game seven. Um it's bad. And, and then there's those people, Jack, that will say the counter-argument where, well, he is getting 10 assists a game. And if you watch the assists, it's either pick and rolls to Steven Adams, where Steven Adams finishes like a big man, or it's tough jumpers being made on the perimeter by his supporting cast. I mean, it's not like he's dribbling into the paint and then finding a wide-open guy in the corner. It's not like he's creating these assists for guys. It's either a pick-and-roll where they double Westbrook and he dishes it to yeah, Adams for a bucket, which is good and all. That's great. But then he's also taking 43 shots and forcing bad shots for his teammate. So. I'm really happy you brought that up, actually, because this is one of the places where I think stats can really kind of fib about who's good and who's not. The difference between a guy like James Harden and LeBron and Russ, as you said, like 
Westbrook is often, like, most of his assists come late in the shot clock when he creates something, the defense collapses, and he kicks it out to a shooter who hits a shot. That's still a good shot, usually, but the problem is he's not creating a, gr- a great volume of them, right? Like, he's always waiting till the end of the shot clock until a player has to shoot. I want to know, and this is a... We- I don't know how to calculate this. I'm sure there's a way. But how many times does a player that catches a pass from him, how many times does he actually pass the ball? Because I'm sh- Because that, to me weirdly enough, is a sign that a team is moving the ball better. When Westbrook isn't just passing it to a guy with five seconds left on the shot clock and then he's just throwing up a prayer or he's shooting it at the final end of the shot clock. When you watch Harden and LeBron and and even John Wall or all these elite passers play, they start passing sequences. It's not always about assists. They'll pass to one guy in the corner and then they'll pass to the guy on the wing who will then drive into the paint, who will then kick it out or drop a, you know, dump off pass to the center on the baseline. Like, I don't see that happening in Thunder games. It's always one or two passes in a possession and someone shoots, not four, five, six that lead to the best shots. I agree. And Westbrook should be taking this personal. I mean, I blame this this series loss on him. I really do. And obviously Paul George, well, at least most likely going to opt out of that contract deal. And then Carmelo is probably going to opt in because of how bad of a year he had. So that doesn't help the, the Thunder. They're losing the good guy, and then they have to stick around with Carmelo because he's going to opt into that player option so they're not going to have that much money to use this free agency which honestly what player wants to go there right now I wouldn't what what free agents wants to go there after seeing what happened this year I don't know I sure wouldn't I wouldn't either I mean by the way not much might be overstating it like if Paul George doesn't come back with his with their with his bird rights they're they're well, screwed. They can't sign anybody from from other teams based off of If he does come back, you're saying? If he does if he doesn't come back, say he well, goes if he does, to the they're Lakers. even more screwed. It well, if he does, they're more screwed cap wise, but they have Paul right. George. If he doesn't come back, then they don't even have room to replace him. And Paul George is still very good. Like he, if they lose him, they can't replace him with like a quality small forward. Right. They're just going to be stuck shopping the bargain bin free agents, which is not going to go over well if you're like a one million dollar player i don't know i I know this is he already played for the thunder like a thabo cephalosha or a bellinelli why would you go you know where i want to play i want to play with the guy who hogs the ball all the time while i just get yelled at for doing nothing exactly no it's it's a bad situation for okc right now Mm -hmm. for sure billy donovan i want to get into him for a little bit and then we'll talk about uh some other stuff but um He's he's going to take the fall for this, as you said. I just think, and this is a case for coaches around the league, I think he was put in with a huge personality and really hasn't been able to exert his influence on his team with the talent that he wants. I, I He's talked, I was looking at a couple of his um, quotes from the past, and he's wanted to implement a motion offense that included more side-to-side ball movement, less straight-up pick-and-roll, less isolation, more, you know, cutting, screening, whatnot, a lot like the Celtics and the Jazz play. And he was never able to implement that system. Now, you can blame him for that, for not being harder on his team. But it also has to come down to Westbrook, right? If Westbrook says, oh, no, I'm not going to play this way, I'm just going to do what I want to do, who are the Thunder going to side with? The franchise player or Billy Donovan? Yep ex-coach from florida like he doesn't have that much control i think he's an interesting if he gets fired he would be an interesting candidate to go to a younger team or a team that has less honestly selfish personalities that's the only way i can see it right now yeah jack i was gonna bring i was gonna bring up that point actually when we talk about the candidates but it makes more sense to bring it up right now no that was exactly what i'm gonna i was gonna say the nba coaches have no control whatsoever Players make tons of millions more dollars than they do. So just like you said, when there's a dispute between a head coach and a player, management and ownership is always going to side with the player. Because, I mean, it's their franchise. That's exactly what we saw in Memphis this year with with David Fisdale. He got fired because him and Marcus Saul had a little bit of a a difference about what they thought. And what are they going to do? Are they going to can Gasol or are they going to can Fisdale? And sure enough, they can Fisdale. And Jack... Since 2012, 
There have only been five NBA head coaches that are still with the same team. Five in six years. That's insane. You got Pop with the Spurs, Carlisle with the Mavericks, Dwayne Casey with Toronto, Eric Spolster in Miami, and Terry Stotts in Portland. That is it. Every other team has had a new coach in six years. That is insane. That is crazy. And it's coaches, they, they don't have the control that coaches in college do when they build programs because college players will get cycled through four years in. But in the NBA, that's not what happens. And then the egos in the NBA, just like you touched on, is another major part. It, it's just – it's a flawed system. It really is. It, it's, it's not fair to head coaches, and that's why they're getting fired and – it's a carousel right now, and we'll get into it later, but Billy Donovan really couldn't do much because if he wants a job in this league, he's got to do what Russell Westbrook wants, and that's sad but true. No, that's I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, they, getting into the head coaching thing, it's crazy. The way that this works, especially for the worst teams in the league, the Magic, the Suns, the Kings— even the Lakers for a while. It was always play bad for two years with a bunch of young players who aren't good. And then the franchise needs to say, oh, we've been losing. We need to do something so that we can change the culture. I'm putting that in air quotes. Um, What are we mm-hmm. going to do? We're going to fire the coach because he's a good fall guy who we can pretend was not implementing a culture or a philosophy. How is a coach supposed to implement a philosophy in two years with a bunch of 21-year-old kids, especially mm-hmm. with young teams, let alone your Westbrooks, who are just personalities that are not very amenable to different coaching philosophies, tactics, and strategies. I mean, these coaches always get the blame, and some of them are not very good. Some of them really have questionable decision-making tendencies. But again, there are definitely good coaches out there that have gotten screwed because they were just put in a bad situation with bad ownership and a bad GM. Like, how are you supposed to do anything if you're not even Billy Donovan, Jack Vaughn of the Orlando Magic? Like, what's he like? What's he supposed to do with that young team? Like, I'm, I don't know if he's a good coach. I'm sure you don't. No one knows if uh, he might be a terrible coach. But he was given like a year and a half. If you believe in a hire, stick with your hire. Mm-hmm. Don't just throw them out after a year and go through the carousel. That's Jeff Hornacek, one year. Yeah. Um, for, for the Kings, I don't even remember. They had George Carl like three times. They just kept yeah. bringing yeah. him back. What yeah. are you going to do? Like Frank Vogel's bounced around. Oh, my gosh. And he's good. I he, know. He had an Eastern Conference Finals team yep. like six years ago. What? Meanwhile, Jack, let's, oh, just, let's, let's go into the head coaches real quick because this is like all I wanted to talk about. I didn't really want to talk about which candidate for which job. I kind of just want to talk in generality here. Mm-hmm. So let's just finish this up quick. And I want to bring up the college coaches. The YJ Wright doesn't really want to come to the NBA. I mean, it's so obvious. We saw John Calipari try it. He tried. He, he went to the Nets for three seasons. Three seasons is all he got. One year made the playoffs, got fired after the third season. Jack, when Calipari started his career, he was in UMass. UMass, a team that went 10-18 and 18 in his first year. It took him eight years, eight years to make a Final Four appearance with them. It is a process. He took a 10-18 and 18 team to the end of the year AP number one team in the nation. And NBA coaches get six, and they have the same players. But Calipari was given eight in a bad program with different players, and he was managed to get to an AP number one. So he goes to the NBA, second year makes the, makes makes the playoffs. Next year gets canned. It just uh, people wonder why college coaches don't want to make the leap. It's because they've built their dynasties at college. They're respected for it. They have their systems, and they're respected by all the players because they go to play there. They're not selected to play there, and. In the NBA, it's the total opposite. It's flawed, but it's what it's got to be. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I want to I want to touch on a few things. I completely agree, though, about the incentive structure for coaches. It some of them it makes a lot of, a lot of sense to go into the NBA. Your Phil Jacksons, your 
I don't know, Mark Jackson was a good example of a coach who I didn't think would be great in college. But, like, even your Pat Riley's, like, authoritarian guys who had big personalities that could handle big stars with huge paychecks used to be the norm. Now it's a little bit mixed, and you're seeing all these coaches get turned over all the time. But you're right, though. Like, if you're a college coach— you have authority over the players. It's very clear that NBA NBA basketball compared to college basketball is a lot more individualistic, which is great for the individual players. The problem is the coaches don't have as much influence and they can just kind of be thrown around. David Blatt, really good example. He was an incredibly successful coach in Europe forever. I think he won the Euroleague Championship or whatever. He was successful in the NBA, Jack. That's also a good point. He he was pretty good for his first year, but and he, second year, yeah, yeah, thirty and eleven when he got fired, thirty and eleven. That's still crazy to me. That's still insane that that happened. And the year but before, like, they went to the finals. How does that make any sense? Because LeBron wanted him gone. I, I mean, LeBron is a hard person to coach. For as great as he is, he is not an easy guy to coach. And Blatt's reputation now. It's just a little bit ruined here in America, at least. Definitely not in Europe. But, like, if you were to talk to the average NBA fan and say, how is David Blatt as a coach? Most people would not think of him as, like, this genius in a positive way. It would be yeah, a negative exactly. way. It would be exactly. a negative way. He's more Brad Stevens than Joe Prunty. Let's just put it that I, way, I in, in my opinion. I, I'd love him to be a, the next Bucks coach. But da- David Blatt, Jack, in my in – my, uh coach hierarchy or whatever you want to say free agent coaches or candidates whatever you want to call it he's number one for me he's a proven nba winner and the guys that are looking for jobs right now fizdale what has he done three years in memphis two of them i believe or five so i don't know he had two losing records or something it was not good mm-hmm. not good the part that really gets me though is when you have a bunch of retreads that are going from these bad teams to bad teams because the ownership likes them enough that they're not going to like do anything really stupid or outlandish or crazy, but they're not going to get you anywhere. A good example, um, JB Bickerstaff. How many teams yeah. has he coached in the past like five years? I swear he's the interim coach for every underachieving like supposed playoff team. He like coached the Rockets. He coached the Memphis Grizzlies. He just got a contract with them, by the way. What are they doing? I have no idea. With J.B. Bickerstaff, has he led a playoff team anywhere? No. I don't understand. I don't get it. I really don't get it, Chad. He's he's basically like – he is the the NBA head coach equivalent of pleated pants. He's not – he's going to (laughs) just give you whatever you need, but he's not going to get you anywhere other than like a 500 record and a couple of jerseys sold. I, if if you're hiring him, you're basically conceding, okay, we're done for the next five years. Good luck. You know what? Good luck, fans. Deal with it. God. I, I... All right, Jack. I want to go through the candidates real quick before we get to the Kawhi. Mm. Okay, here we go. David Fisdale to the Knicks. Here, here's my thoughts. Do I agree that he should have been fired in Memphis? No, absolutely not. I don't think he should have been fired. But do I think he should have been hired in New York or hired anywhere? No, I honestly don't think so, Jack. Wow, he was, that's a hot he was, take. He was 50 and 51 in Memphis. I'm sorry. If you have, if you had a chance in the NBA, I understand that it was a small sample size, and that's why I won't get I'm – not, I'm not too upset with this hire because, like we just argued about, they, they're not given a chance most often. But this guy is under 500, and you have a guy like David Blatt and assistants and leagues that haven't been given a chance yet that could be the next Brad Stevens. And you hire a guy that hasn't done anything, I don't agree with it. I don't. If you're looking for the next Brad Stevens, you don't take a guy that you know is not the next Brad Stevens. Because all fans want, they're all saying, oh, our coach is terrible. We need to fire our coach. We need the next Brad Stevens. How come our team doesn't have the next Brad Stevens? Well, it's because you're terrible at hiring coaches. You hire the bums that can't win in the NBA. Next, Jack, Jeff Van Gundy. (laughs) Do I think he should be hired? Do I even think he should be a candidate? No, absolutely not. Nine seasons as an NBA head coach, Jack. He only had three seasons with a winning record. Three. And he never made it to a finals with a good New York Knicks team. David Blatt, already touched on him. 
number one for me. 83 and 40 in his two a year and a half in Cleveland made the finals year one. The half that he did, the half of the year that he did coach, they went on to win the finals. Should he have been fired? No. Should he be a coaching candidate? 100% yes. Steve Clifford, Charlotte, five seasons, two playoff appearances in the Week East with an All Star in Kemba Walker. A 478 winning percentage. Are you kidding me? Do I think he should be a coaching candidate? Absolutely not. Now, assistant coaches, this this is where I think coaches should be hired. I think all serious candidates should only be proven NBA winners and head coaches, a.k.a. David Blatt, and then upcoming assistant coaches like Ettore Messina and all the other ones, and I think European coaches. I think European coaches should also be. The first one was just hired. Um, with Igor being, where'd he go? Phoenix, right? Kukoskov? Yeah, he went to Phoenix. He, he, was he like, went to Phoenix. Yeah, he was the main assistant at Utah. He's supposed to be, like, one of the reasons they're this good. Like, he's he's right. the real deal. Mm-hmm. And NBA coaches, that's it. Proven NBA winners at coaches at, at the coaching level. Upcoming assistants on winning teams. Foreign European coaches that have been successful in the EuroLeague. And college coaches, that's it. I wouldn't even look anywhere else. Maybe these are the G League head coaches. Maybe. But all these resurface, all these Steve Cliffords, David Fisdales, Jeff Van Gundy's that are being thrown out, it, it's not a good idea. It hasn't worked in the past. It will not work. And as we, as I said earlier, there's only, uh, what I say, five head coaches that have been on the same team since 2011. So what's saying a guy that's been in the NBA since 2011 who's gotten fired will be one of those next coaches? Man, I I completely agree. Honestly, with everything you said, it kind of sucks because I want to disagree on something. But um, yeah, the, these. I mean, my biggest problem. I just think hiring coaches can be very difficult, and I don't think it's very easy. I don't to think it's difficult. Out. I really don't think it's you, difficult. You do? Oh, okay. I they, think it's. How long did it take New York to hire a coach? They did it too fast, in my opinion. Exactly. They chose the wrong guy. They they way did, too fast. It, it you took know, three it's days. because <laughs> it's because Fizdale was in high demand, and they wanted to get him before other teams even had the chance to get him. And by doing that, they didn't do their research. That that I mean, anything the Knicks do is probably just going to end badly. Like James Dolan is the worst owner in the NBA now that Donald Sterling is who the fuck knows. Um, he. he Anything the Knicks have done, other than drafting Chris Apps and maybe uh, Frank Nilakina this year, has yeah. gone pretty terribly for mm-hmm. a while now. But um, no, that's I just have a big problem with teams hiring retreads because me too. Like, at least if you hire an assistant or someone who has like an, a philosophy, like I'm sure when someone hired Mike D'Antoni in Phoenix the first time he got a head coaching stint. It wasn't the most popular decision because he has a very unique basketball philosophy, and he very well could have flamed out. He's a unique, he has a unique philosophy, but he was. If he doesn't have the right players, if he doesn't have the right players on that team, he does not have a job in this league. Exactly, but he he got guys that fit. Mm -hmm. He tried things and he innovated and he changed the league because of it. There, a lot of the three point revolution. Well, you no, come on now, come on now, Curry. Oh, come on. The Warriors definitely started that. Okay, the Warriors were the next step in the evolution after the seven seconds or less uh, Suns with Nash and Stoudemire yes, running the pick Hughes and roll. But Hughes before D'Antoni did this in Houston. The Warriors were before that. Oh, yeah. The Warriors were the ones that made – like, that's when the three-point revolution really, like, shot up. But the Suns were doing similar things a lot earlier than a lot of teams. They were – he, he at least – he was trying new stuff, and that's kind of where I'm trying to get here with coaches. Yeah, that's fair. Like, that's fair. I don't want someone who hasn't changed their philosophy, like a Paul Silas, a J.B. Bickerstaff, who hasn't changed their philosophy for 15 years and just is there to continue to be there and just not get anywhere in the playoffs. I want someone that pushes the envelope, stretches the boundaries of where my team can go, tries – things that are different one of the weird candidates that i think i like for that very reason and i have very little evidence to go off for this becky hammond yeah the spurs assistant greg popovich likes her that's a thumbs up that's one 
good thing. She is an ex-player who's been in tough situations. Check. Um, And clearly she has a perspective that she's going to come in with fire. I'm pretty... She's in a male-dominated profession where it probably wasn't easy for her to get a lot of jobs at first. Oh, yeah. She's got to have the mentality of not giving a shit. Exactly. Like, she's the exact type... Like, if I'm just... And I I know barely anything about her, honestly. But from what I've seen or read about it, she has the mentality of someone who is going to go hard, balls to the wall, to do anything to win. And if... Honestly, that's what I want. I want to have a yeah, chance. Okay. That's what you want, Jack, right? Mm-hmm. But in my best here, I'm going to try not to be insensitive here. But a girl, a woman comes in to Russell Westbrook in the, in the Oklahoma City Thunder, all right? She wants to change the whole system there. What is Russell Westbrook going to say to her? He's going to be like, who are you? And he's going to say, to hell with that. No, you're and right. he's going to do whatever he wants. You're right. I don't think it has so anything to do need, with her being a woman. Need, I think no, it has to do with her with just everybody. being a new coach. Yeah, it's just yeah. like whatever I mean, new I coach just, comes in. One, yeah, I wanted to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Not just because, yeah, she's a woman, but that's what's going to happen because she hasn't proven herself at the head coaching job, whereas, like, the David Fisdales will get some kind of respect because see, he's been at least an NBA head coach. So that's where the assistants, that's the same thing with Ettore Messina. He's got the same problem. He's not proven. So what? why would they give him respect? What? What? what did, why do they have to give him the respect? Uh, they should, because a good coach can take you a long way. Mike Budenholzer is a very good example. He's also on the market, by the way. That's that's a guy that should be picked up by any good team. Um, The Atlanta Hawks had a lot of, like, Al Horford and Paul Millsap are good players. Budenholzer took them from, like, a four or five seed to a one, an Eastern one and two final. seed. Like, they mm-hmm. they obviously lost to LeBron, but they went In the further. Eastern Conference final, though. They, they, yeah, they went further than they probably should have based off of talent level. Like, that's a coach I want. Your Quinn Snyders, your Brad Stevenses, mm-hmm. your Rick Carlisles, even, even though he's but had But even a him, Jack, years. even yeah. him, is he your next Brad Stevens? Is Mike Budenholzer the next Brad Stevens? I, I don't think he's as good as Brad Stevens, no. But, but isn't that what you want? But that's what you want, exactly. Give yourself isn't a that... chance at that person. So why hire Mike Budenholzer then? Because Mike Budenholzer has shown that he's good enough. He's not as good as Stevens, but you're not going to lose a game because of him. He's not prunty. He's not a good example. Dwayne Casey after this entire series with Cleveland where he's been absolutely outclassed. He's not, I don't know, whatever crappy Kings coach you can think of from the past 10 years. He's consistent enough to the point where if you're like a team on the cusp of being really, really good, I'd be fine with him as your coach. If you're a young team, though, maybe not. I don't, it depends on your team. I just, my main thing is against the retreads. Do not hire the retreads that do not do anything for you. That's my final thought on this. Yep, I totally agree with you. All right, Jack, let's get in to Kawhi and the situation in San Antonio. Just take it where you want right now. Okay. This is the biggest scandal that's not really a scandal in the NBA. If this were any other franchise, this would be bigger than the Markel Fultz thing, bigger than basically any story in the NBA. Okay, this, this is just what the Spurs do. They keep everything under wraps and all the communication. It, no one knows what's going on. Okay. Um, Ramona Shelburne from ESPN and Michael yeah. C. Wright, another ESPN reporter, were able to actually get some more information on this. Basically, and this is a, in, this is a um, pretty insultingly short summary of what's been going on. The Spurs think that Kawhi has an injury to his hamstring a slightly better one than Tony Parker had when he tore it and he had to come back like nine or ten months ago last year. And they think he's ready to play. However, when he plays, apparently his knee hurts enough to the point where that he's talked to other doctors, including the doctor for the Philadelphia 76ers. I forgot his name, but basically mm-hmm. that that's a, that's a really good place to go. And... They think he has another injury. So Kawhi's, like, team, his family, his posse, whatever. Oh, my... Like, 
who who the, he he apparently has some uncle that's in charge of this whole thing. And the Spurs organization itself are at odds about this. They don't know what his injury is. And Kawhi is just not with the Spurs. Like, if you see an injured player on any other team right now, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, they're at games. Kawhi is not at games. He's in New York. He's not even with the team. He just disappeared. No one knew where he was. Has Have you... Do you remember, Mike... Any situation in which a player has done that. Boogie. Boogie, sure. Boogie. Until the first round of the playoffs this year. Okay, fair enough. I mean, they don't they don't travel on the road. But uh, yes, definitely they should be at home games. Like, he's not at home games, though. Because like, even not Kyrie's at... not going to road games. But yes, home games, yes. The, fair enough. Yeah, that's a good distinction. Because they right? do yeah, need actually, to, get, they need to get their treatment in their hometown still. No, you're right. But, but... I agree. He's not even at home games. He can't even send out, in this era of social media, he can't send something out on Twitter or Insta saying, I'm fine, everything's great, there are no problems here. He hasn't sent anything like that since, like, since he went dark. He's just mm-hmm. been, he, no one knows what's happening until Ramona Shelburne and this other guy were able to get, like, a 30-second interview with him. It was some cloak and dagger stuff. He he was like, because Kawhi, and this is where it gets interesting to me. Kawhi is kind of seen as this like robot Spurs type prototype player, right? This quiet guy who has no personality that just plays and lives basketball. You're Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. You're you're Tim Duncan prototype basically, just like basketball, 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 nothing else. No off-court drama. None of that stuff. None of the business deals. None of the other crap that everyone else... And when I say crap, I mean it's pretty important to these players. But, like, he doesn't deal with that stuff. The real Kawhi, I think, is a lot different than that. I think he's kind of... At least his family thinks this way. I'm not sure about him because a lot of this stuff can get iffy. But Kawhi is, at his best, a top-five NBA player. And do you see him in endorsements? Do you see him getting luck? Do you see him getting involved in business deals? Do you see him in like movies or anything? Like being an NBA superstar these days isn't just about what you do on the court. It's about your brand, what you do off the court, social yeah. media, your influence. He doesn't have that. LeBron. That's why he's not a superstar. Exactly. You see James Harden, LeBron. You see these guys everywhere. Kevin Durant everywhere. They're just. They're always. They pervade culture. That's what makes the NBA so great sometimes. It gets... It takes... The NBA is 24-7. It's not just about what happens on the court. It's going on all the time. And Kawhi is talented enough to be one of those A-listers. He can be one of those guys that's getting endorsements if he really cared about that. But I agree. He, he's on the Spurs. And he grew up in this culture where that wasn't prioritized. Which a lot of people... Well, I don't think it's the Spurs that shaped him like that, Jack. No, I agree. I think they incentivized him to sort of act maybe, this way. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I, th- I think it's a cultural thing. I don't think Kawhi came into the league because he was a 15th overall pick. He wasn't coming into the league Ben Simmons' future superstar, right? He was just kind of like this, oh, I'm going to develop, develop, develop. He became in a top-tier superstar. And I, I think he feels or at least people around him, and I think that's an important distinction, feel that he should be treated like it off the court. And that isn't happening. There was some like story about his brand deal with um his his new shoe deal being around the likes of like I don't know, a Trevor Ariza. Like around the same like million dollar level, like ten million instead of like what your Kevin Durant's make a twenty, twenty five million, something like that. That that might get to him. I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying, like, that could be a part of his thought process here. Yeah. Do you have any ideas about this at all? Because I, it can go anywhere. I have no idea what's going on, and that's part of the problem. He's not talking. I, I agree. I agree. I agree with you, and I don't want to just keep reiterating your stuff. So I'm going to – I I think he will be traded, Jack. I do. There I don't go. think this mm-hmm. will be worked out. There's no, there is no precedent for this ending well, and the, like there's no scenario I can look back on in especially recent NBA history where I go, you know what, this player went dark for six months on his professional team, 
He's going to come back and everything's going to be fine. Apparently, Popovich is supposed to meet with him in the next week for like a one-on-one powwow about last like, time. Yeah, go last on. time. Last time we saw that, Kyrie. Yeah, that's got gotcha. That's a good point. That's literally I mean, last time I saw it. Even with it a little bit, and he was part of that trade. I mean, we didn't know that Kyrie was that discontent with his. Well, he literally said, I want to be the man. I don't want to be. I mean, he was pretty Uh, open about that. No, he was after the finals and stuff. He, he was, he was not happy about his situation, but he wasn't openly saying to the public, I'm not happy with my situation here. I'm not like, I just feel like these situations can snowball so fast and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this whole thing seems like we're Kawhi a year, by the way, after he's being idolized as the next Spurs great who's going to be there for 10 years, exactly. might leave. It's exactly the point right there. People that are saying, well, what if they just work it out? Even if they work it out, I'm trading him. Because when it comes to free agency, he's not staying. He's not. He's going to remember this. So even if things temporarily get better, more likely than not, he will walk when the time comes. So what is the point? I What's mean- the point of keeping him? When his trade value, I mean, it's definitely taking a hit due to this, knowing people knowing that, okay, they, we might be able to get him for less because of what's going on right now in San Antonio. But I think I think if you're San Antonio, I think you have to trade him. I really do. And, Jack, I want to get into a couple, couple landing spots if you're all right with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm going to take a hot take right here. Okay. All right. This might be the hottest take I've ever had in my life. That is I've saying had, something. I've had that some is. Hot ones. I am telling you right now that Kawhi Leonard will be a Philadelphia 76er next year. That is not a hot take. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just. That's like number. I need to cut that off. That's like a top five destination for him right now. I'm, I'm saying he's going there. Oh, you're saying he's going there. It's not like should go there. I say come October. 27th or whatever the opening day is it's usually around that day he will be a philadelphia 76er okay that's a hot take i'll, t- I'll take be. that as a hot take yeah mm-hmm. and that I, that I think the trade gets done with markel faults that first round pick that they still have i don't think i don't i don't think they have to get rid of simmons or Embiid. i really don't think so i think a deal gets done without them ah uh, they're gonna have to match salaries somehow but even then, will they have to? Because they can take on salaries right now with their cap, and then the Spurs can unload and build for their future. It makes sense for both teams. It I, really I does. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way that they're getting rid of Simmons or Embiid for Kawhi under any circumstances, especially after all these injuries. I don't think issues. they need to. I don't it, think. Th- I think the Spurs are happy with. Okay, we'll just get his salary off our cap, and then I we'll take really back know. the number one pick in the 2017 draft. Shouldn't have been the number one pick, but was the number one pick. We'll we'll develop him. And we'll take another cheap guy off your hands that can develop and be a role player for us in our system. I think it makes sense Mm -hmm. for both teams. And then if you're Philly, don't have to sign LeBron. If you have Kawhi Leonard, Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, that team beats LeBron. It beats LeBron. And would you rather have Kawhi Leonard or would you rather have LeBron James in a super or max deal that he would sign with Philly that they're talking about if he wants to go because you know he's looked at houses in Philly if I'm Philadelphia I think I would rather take Kawhi Leonard's contract than take LeBron's one year historically high contract I really do because I think that team beats LeBron you don't need LeBron to win the season I think Joel Embiid Ben Simmons Kawhi Leonard that team on the 76ers will beat LeBron what are your thoughts? I'm actually just going to piggyback on your point because I was going to make it. Everyone's talking about LeBron going to the oh, Sixers come on. You right can't now. Th- you can't think that Kawhi's going to the Sixers, right? No, I, I, I don't think that that's like going to happen. I'm not going to predict that, but it makes sense. And honestly, like if you think about it, if the Sixers j- take a leap and go for it, it they have the pieces to do so. Robert Covington is on like a sixteen or seventeen million dollar contract right now. Plays the same position as Kawhi. He's kind of the weak point in their starting lineup. He's very good. When does his contract expire? Do you know? He just signed an extension for four years that started this year, so he'll have three more years. So Spurs are not taking him. 
Yeah. But you're not going to take him back. So you'll have him riding on your bench. Or he, he's a decent role player off the bench coming in behind Kawhi. I, I mean, Robert Covington's good. He might go, like, right. there's a way there. There's a way Bellinelli, there. Bellinelli, is he on a one year? I think he's on a one year. Yeah, he's on a one year. He's going to be. He's Redick, a Redick's multi, right? Redick's no, multi. No, Redick's on a one year deal as well. That's why they have really? so much cap so, room. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, they're gone right there. And then you got Covington coming off the bench and Kawhi in your starting lineup. It makes so much sense for Philadelphia. It really does. And it makes sense for the Spurs. In, in getting into LeBron. They're getting a, getting a first round pick mm-hmm. for Philly, which I think is do you know where that's expected? That's their first round pick that they got. It depends. It doesn't it depend Ooh. on the lottery? They have a first round pick from I think Memphis. I'm not sure if that's true, but um it's it's a good lottery pick. Um it's, it's not it's, like it's top five. Gonna, it could be though, depending on the lottery. Well, yeah, exactly. Depending on the lottery, it could be, but like it's unless not supposed it's, to be in the top, top five. Could mm-hmm. be top three protected. I honestly don't know the protections on it, but more likely than not, they'll have a top ten pick. Oh yeah, unless mm-hmm. it's a top three protected, but the odds that they're a top three pick is just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So they get that pick from Memphis, the top ten pick, the number one pick from last year, and I honestly can't think of the third guy that would. Does that even get it done? I think it does. I really do. Because they, like, teams know Kawhi's value is dropping. They're monitoring the situation. Like, they know that the Spurs are probably in a very bad... They have a bad hand. I mean, if... And this is the other thing with Philadelphia that I think is really interesting. Everyone's talking about LeBron going there as an option. You touched on this, and I completely agree with you. LeBron, as great as he is, as amazing as he is... He's 36, right? That, yeah. He's old. But he also is a system no, unto yeah. himself. He has never adapted to an offense that doesn't feature him just taking the ball and doing stuff, right? Like, there's a part of the reason, and I, and as a really big LeBron he's fan, 33, it's, by the way, it's just hard to, to explain. Myself. Yeah. He's 33. There's part of the reason that Cleveland is so chaotic is because of him. Like he is a main problem in terms of that culture. He's a better Westbrook. It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter when they're winning against the number one seed at home twice. But you know that he is. He creates that chaos. If he goes to Philadelphia, if you're Ben Simmons, do you want to watch LeBron carry the ball up the court and do what I what I have been succeeding at doing? Ben Simmons has had an amazing year. Why would you give the ball to LeBron? Let Ben Simmons do the do what he does. He's averaging almost ten assists a game. Keep LeBron, LeBron is best when he plays like Ben Simmons. He is not best when he's playing anything but the point guard. When he is not bringing the ball up, he's not LeBron James. He. When he gets the ball at the top of the key and, like, becomes the point guard, whether he brings the ball up or not, whenever he gets the ball in, like, the arc or whatever and becomes the point guard and he drives, that is almost unstoppable. Pretty much unstoppable. But when you get him into a jump shooter, it's different. So, well, other than game two in Toronto where he just went disgusting from fadeaway, but that's just an outlier. But Ben Simmons also can't do the spot-up shooting and that stuff. He's got to be the one. Has to be. So those two guys kind of have similar games, really. Mm-hmm. They really do. So them playing on the floor together, I, I don't think it works. I really don't think it works. I don't. Exactly. So that's why if I'm Philadelphia, give me Kawhi over LeBron. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I want to get into another Kawhi destination because I think we've gone over Philadelphia enough. Um, it, it has to be said, the Lakers – they have no, cap no space. Way. They have cap space. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give, have... your, give your thing. No way. Not a chance. They won. I think yep. it was 34 games this year. They have a very good young team. And as much as I hate to say it, Lonzo Ball was pretty good this year. Like He was, other than his he injury, he was pretty good. They have a lot of good young pieces. Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, even Julius Randle. Paul George might be going there. <laughs> yeah, really though. Like, can we just pencil him in as like a half? Like, he's put put George in, and then we'll write in the Paul before next week. Pe- or... Put it in pencil, and then we yeah, can erase yeah, it later. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. But um, it makes sense. I mean, if Kawhi wants to be an alpha in a 
place where he can grow his brand and that by the way i do not i need i cannot reiterate this enough i do not know if that's what he wants it's just a possibility why not do it for the biggest market in the because he doesn't league? like to do that he's not that kind we of guy do, we don't know that well, we don't from know. what i've seen in his in his nba career he is not that guy I mean, if he's he, I think it would be pretty hard for him if the Lakers slapped a max contract down on the table and said, "You know what? You We're can talking be the best trades, player on Jeff. our team." Well, they okay. If and when I say that, I need to explain. No one is going to trade for Kawhi if they are, don't get like a reassurance that he's going to sign there. We should have probably brought this up earlier, but um, no one's going to trade for him if he says, "Okay, I'm going to leave in free agency." I don't, well, yeah, but no, no one's going to do that. That's what I mean by max contract. Like he needs to, a team that's going to trade for him is going to want to have an assurance that he's going to yeah. stick around after that one year. That's basically what I'm saying. Okay. It, it would be hard. It, it would be hard to pass up. Oh, uh, that's an interesting. What do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that's crazy? I, I totally disagree with you on that. There's no way in hell he's going to the Lakers. I, I don't see San Antonio trading him to a Western conference team. I don't. I think mm. in their best interest, they have to keep him in the East. They, I, I mean, I'm serious. I, that's a team that's still winning right now, as hard as it is to believe, with 40-year-old Manu Ginobili, whether he comes back or not, Tony Parker, um, LaMarcus Aldridge, who had a great season, Paul Gasol, that team is still winning and it's still competing. And if they trade him to a Western Conference team, I just – I can't see a well-run organization trading him to a rival. I really – I can't see it. So I think he's got to go to the East. That's an interesting take. I I personally think the Spurs are just going to take whatever offer they, they get. get best on the table. Yeah, that's what I think. I don't think – because if they trade Kawhi, they're done. Like they're not – they're not going to be good for probably at least – two years Popovich might retire that's another thing like if Kawhi's gone why would he stick around probably who knows this this is a very weird limbo it's gonna be it's good it's gonna be interesting Jack especially if they don't trade him right he -hmm. leaves after next year okay leaves after next year this will be a team without Tony Parker without Manu Ginobili without Kawhi Leonard possibly without Paul Gasol and possibly whatever LaMarcus's contract is without him and Pop might retire. That's in two years from now. This this could be a team that has been historically good for two decades that could be the worst team in basketball. And it's two years away. And that's crazy to think about. It is crazy to think about. So that is why I'm so strong on you have to trade him. You have to. Get what you can. And then there's another landing landing spot for him, Jack. There's Boston. There's Boston. They're doing all of this without Gordon Hayward. And by all of this, I mean beating the Bucks in seven and taking a 2-0 lead on the Philadelphia 76ers. They're doing all that without Gordon Hayward and without Kyrie Irving. That team terrifies me now. If you get Kawhi Leonard, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. You would probably have to give up one of the Brown or Tatum. He'd court. have to give up Brown. You would have to give up Brown and probably Scary Terry. They got a pick from Philly in the they full could trade. They could do Scary Terry and a pick. They got that. And that's a good pick. Like, that's a Lakers pick that's supposed that's a to top be. Five. <sighs> no. We're, we're looking down the barrel of the Celtics running the East for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, we are... Uh, if That's they why get Kawhi, Philly needs to make this trade. That's why Philly needs to make this trade, Jack, and it's going to happen. Come October 27th, you will see Kawhi in a Philly jersey. If Philly makes the trade, they can run the East for the next year. This is getting oh, me yeah. very depressed as a Bucks fan. Oh, very depressed. Oh, well, God. then there's the other thing. Does Milwaukee... <laughs> Does Milwaukee try to get him? How would we get him? I'm sorry, I'm nixing that right now. Who are we trading? Middleton. It would be Middleton, Bledsoe. Now they don't have a first round pick. Exactly. 
Like, where, where's the incentive there? Not other taking Jabari if we sign and trade. <laughs> you think San Antonio's jumping no. out of their chairs to get Bledsoe There's right no now? There's no way. There's no way that <laughs> no. happens. You're right. Um, I, I do want to mention Toronto. one thing. Toronto. Toronto. Toronto interests me. Who do you trade? I think you let Lowry go. I would let anyone on that team go for Kawhi Leonard. Make it happen. <laughs> it's, I don't it's think I give up DeMar. You give up, oh, I, I, I would give up DeMar. I don't give up DeMar for that. I'm sorry. I don't. I would, I would absolutely up, I give up DeMar. What has DeMar done in the playoffs? He, yeah, he's, I mean, he's good. He's not uh, yeah, a game there's changer. definitely argument there, but... With Kawhi's injury, I just ah, I don't know if I give up my best player for him. I don't, I just don't know. It's a good point. Um, my dark horse, my dark this, horse yeah, though, oh, oh, yeah. the Clippers. You want to talk about a team that could theoretically put together Clippers. an offer? Tobias Harris. They have a Memphis pick that's supposed to be a good first rounder. They could throw in another pick for them. That's going to be in the lottery. Matching salaries, they have a bunch down at the bottom of the roster. That's Avery. not a t- that. I mean, they have Decker. They've got Avery. Beverly. That's not a great deal. It's a pretty good deal for them, honestly. Like with the yeah. picks, and if they don't get a good offer, and this whole Kawhi situation falls apart for them, even worse. Maybe the Clippers steal Kawhi. Yeah, it's a good point. That's one that I. I honestly, if there were odds on that, are there odds on Kawhi uh, Probably, destinations honestly. next year? I, I would put money on that one. I would put, like, if I had the money, like 50 bucks on that right now. <laughs> if I had well, the cash. If you were smart, you'd put it on Philly because it's guaranteed. Ooh, that's, that, is a, that is a hot take. Guaranteed. Wow, there are odds. There are odds, Jack. There are? What, what are the that's odds what it right looks now? Like. Oh, wow. All right, so the Spurs are the favorites. Five okay. to eight odds. Five to eight odds. And then, wow, this this makes my hot take less of a hot take. The Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> are second at nine to two odds, and then the Los Angeles Lakers are 13 to two odds. So it's looking like San Antonio or Philly or the Lakers, and that's all they've got. They only got the three teams because they didn't do their research and they didn't really care enough to put the other teams in. Whenever that, like, a comprehensive list of that comes out, like, put your money on the Clippers. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> All right. But, you know, you could win money. Uh, one more thing about this before we go. I think, are, do you have more destinations? Uh, not off the top of my head. Okay, no. if you come up with one, you can come up with it. But um, I do want to add something. Uh, the Spurs. Now, there is a saving grace here. I don't want to act like Kawhi is definitely for sure gone and make Spurs fans start you know, just I, – I don't want Spurs fans to, like, despair, to go to despair. Like, they, they have a chance here because the Spurs can offer Kawhi Leonard the Supermax, which a lot of teams have been reluctant to do for players because it would be a five-year, 200, I think, $10 million deal somewhere around there, so – on average, it would be around forty to forty-one million dollars a year for the next five years for Kawhi. Russell Westbrook, by the way, is on that contract. It kicks in next year. Holy crap! The Thunder will have fun with that one. Um, They're screwed. That's a lot more guaranteed money than teams can offer Kawhi. Any other team can offer Kawhi. They added it in the last collective bargaining agreement to get super nerdy and boring here to uh, make players stay with their dr- teams that drafted them, right? They can offer, I think in guaranteed money, it's $70 million more million over the duration of the contract. And Kawhi, if he doesn't really want to be traded, and if the Spurs don't want to trade him, turning down $70 million guaranteed dollars, that's risky. That is... They, like, that's, honestly, that's where the ego comes in. That's where the ego comes in. Exactly. And Kawhi Leonard is not that guy. He's I mean, not that guy, Jack. If he Kawhi's... He will rather be happy than having 20 10 more million in his pocket he's already gonna make what's the max these days 26 million a year 
it, without the supermax without the supermax it's around 26 27 it depends on incentives all nba like screws the whole thing so up. it's either that or it's how much did you say for the super 40 it's 40 to 41 depending on certain incentives russell westbrook had in the final year of the contract it it, it goes up per year but then jack jack it, yeah mm-hmm. i just thought of something right here okay okay is this problem with Kawhi and the spurs or Kawhi and pop and if it is Kawhi and pop does Pop retire? Who knows? And no then one... Kawhi might be happy again, and then you build around Kawhi again. What if that is it? What if it is a Kawhi and Pop issue and not a Kawhi and the Spurs issue? Pop retires, which who knows? A lot of stuff's going on with him right now, as we all know. He's he's within a year or two of retiring, most likely. So if he retires this year, what if that's the problem? I I don't know, and I don't think anyone knows. I don't think – and that's the craziness behind the situation. No one knows anything. Kawhi could be mad at Pop. He could be mad at the organization. He could be mad at both. He could be mad at I, neither. He might just want to stay in New York because he doesn't want to travel. No one knows. No one knows anything. All I'm saying is that whoever Kawhi's agent is, if he somehow suggests to Kawhi that he could potentially turn down – he should potentially turn down $70 million in guaranteed money. That agent should be fired immediately. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, holy yeah. crap. That is not well, a lot of players. The agent gets a ton of money from that, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that. They're... <laughs> that's an incentive there for Kawhi to stay. I don't know if he'll take it. You, could, you seem to be more confident than I am that he won't. But, you know, all these factors will be in play. This is why July's fun. Yep. No one knows anything. Well, NBA no draft, what, one month away? Oh, oh, yeah. The NBA is a 12-month sport. It doesn't end. So, Literally. I mean, a trade, if he's going to Philly or Boston, a trade will happen within a month. Within probably six weeks, actually. So, I mean, it's going to it's gonna be quicker than you think. Who All right, Jack. Knows? Yep. We're, we're going to wrap it up now. We're going to wrap it up. Um, thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, make sure to go follow us on Twitter. At Beyond Debatable. Um, we're, next podcast will be on the NBA playoffs and going through the series that are going on right now, including Houston up, what are they up, 31 right now in the third in Utah? Man oh alive. Oh, God, they are. Holy shit. <laughs> All right, so make sure you go and look out for that one in the next couple of days. He is Jack the Statman Cudahy, and I am Michael Rachel, and you've been listening to Beyond Debatable.